Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Hey, Reverend Jamie. Hi, Angel Caitlin? <laughs> yeah, it's me. Or wife Caitlin. No, okay, no, no. Okay. I'm I'm guardian angel Caitlin, your guardian oh, angel. But now that you mention your wife, um, <laughs> I just want to say that she's awesome and like so pretty and I love her. Is that cool? Yeah, me too. I just like, I'm busy running the entire church. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you don't really have time for her and I can have her. Well... No, but let's make sure to not really ask her how she feels at any point. Yeah, yeah, just to be sure. Of course not. Yeah. Okay, great. That wasn't so well. All right, good talk. Good talk. Okay, now I banish you back to heaven and make sure to men in black style uh, wipe my memory before (laughs) before you go. So it's as if the movie didn't happen. Exactly. But little (laughs) Jeremiah, he's going to remember me. Well, yeah, because he's childlike wonder. He believes in the magic of Christmas, something, something, the little bell from Polar Express, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's beautiful. Anyway, hello and welcome to the Bechtel cast. Great intro as usual. We're recording earlier in the day than usual. You have to cut us some slack. No, no, I think the people loved it. It's it's true. (laughs) My name's Jamie Loftus. My name is Caitlin Durante, and this is our show where we examine movies through an intersectional feminist lens using the Bechtel test as a jumping off point. But Reverend Jamie, what is that? I could get used to this. So uh, the Bechtel test is a media metric originally created or co-created by Alison Bechtel with her friend Liz Wallace, originally as a bit for her comic from the 1980s, Dykes to Watch Out For, originally a way of talking about how women were rarely uh, talking to each other about anything in a movie, much less not men. The version of the test we use as we require that two people of a marginalized gender with names talk to each other about something other than a man for two lines of dialogue or more. Mm -hmm. This is going to be a journey today. (laughs) 
yeah, true. And we have, because it's the holiday season, we are covering holiday movies. And boy, do we have a holiday movie for you today. Long time request, The Preacher's Wife from 1996, mm-hmm. starring Whitney Houston and Denzel Washington and Courtney B. Vance and directed by Penny Marshall. I mean, you can't argue with that lineup. You certainly cannot. And yeah. here with us to chat about the movie are the hosts of the podcast, Two Black Girls, One Rose. It's a podcast uncovering what we can learn about modern dating, love, and relationships from popular television. It's Natasha and Justine. Hi, Hi guys. Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Here. Thank you for bringing us this beautiful, wholesome, and a little weird movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my favorite remakes. The Preacher's Wife. I didn't realize mm-hmm. it was a remake until I started doing the research mm-hmm. for Same. it. So yeah, it's adapted from a m- older movie from 1947 called The Bishop's Wife, which was adapted mm-hmm. from a novel of the same name mm-hmm. from I think published in the 20s or something like that. Yeah, the original starred Cary Grant and Loretta Young. Mm-hmm. I think. Yep, yeah. that's right. I did not watch it, but it seemed to be very oh, popular. I've never watched it. No. Oh, that's right. I'm like, <laughs> no. I don't know where I would watch it. Yeah. It's interesting how I mean, I feel like in like the thirties and forties there was a bajillion movies about the spirit of Christmas. Mm. And then also in the nineties. And then mm-hmm. now it's mostly just like Netflix movies about a woman getting bonked on the head on Christmas Eve. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So true. Yeah. So tell us about your relationship, your history with this movie. Justine, do you want to go first? Sure. I can go first. I know this movie line by line. I could play every <laughs> single character. I could sing every single song. Yes. Uh, at the very beginning of the movie where she was uh, using ad-libs to kind of call and response with the rest of the congregation in the church i knew every single cue i knew the lean i knew the choreography i know this movie inside and out so i'm so excited to talk about every element of it it's also uh a lot of elements in this movie have happened to me i've lived with my grandmother with my family i um have been in the choir at church my mom is currently in many choirs at at church um and church culture was a big part of my my growing up i grew up in a really small church so this is a really fond movie for me nice and natasha how about you yeah, damn! I didn't know that, Justine. This is like this is oh a, yeah, it movie. Damn, documentary. Okay. Yeah, so I'm learning something. Preacher's <laughs> yeah. Doc- Life is a documentary, right? Oh, like just, yeah, starring Justine. <laughs> um, I have not watched this in a couple Christmases. It's it hasn't been in my usual repertoire. I don't know why. We listen to the album for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christmas morning, cooking breakfast usually. But yeah, it's been a minute since I watched the movie. So it was definitely like a walk down memory lane a little bit, remembering the story. But I loved it. I mean, you can't beat Denzel, Whitney. I mean, the ensemble cast, mm. just everybody. Yeah, this cast is crazy. The music is crazy. The story is, you know, magical. And yeah, definitely very nostalgic. I also grew up in the church. And yeah, just watching those elements, just very familiar. And yeah, it's been a while, but I'm excited to talk about it with like very fresh eyes. Nice. Jamie, how about you? Um, I'd seen this movie a couple of times before. I was really into basic cable holiday movie marathons, Halloween marathons, mm. whatever it was. <laughs> if it was showing 
on TNT around a holiday. I saw it uh, with 5,000 commercial breaks, which is also how I watched it on Tubi to prepare for this episode. Oh my God. God. So (laughs) many commercials on Tubi. (laughs) Okay. As long as we've all had, I was like, wow, okay, I'll buy laundry pods. My God. Um, (laughs) But... Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd seen it growing up several times. I would also say, like Natasha, I grew up more with the soundtrack than the movie itself. Okay. Um, but I'd seen it many times. The soundtrack is very Christmas Eve, Christmas morning, nostalgic. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I remember knowing about this movie the strongest was my mom was really into the fact that Whitney Houston's mom was in this movie mm, as well. Yeah, and so yeah. she was, I think, just mom solidarity don't really know but Definitely. she was like yeah. that's what they used this mom <laughs> that's her real mom I didn't realize that. Well, not playing her mom not playing no, her no, no, mom no, her. she's oh. in it though she's in oh, the preview okay. like a yeah. cameo okay mm-hmm. oh, I yeah. missed that, that. The one, it's, I think it's the correct me if I'm wrong I think it's the exchange where it's the woman who stops her and is like are you sure that you want to like split the choir parts like that okay. and Whitney is like mm-hmm. yes and then she's like did you like that you know because she's yeah, like it yeah. was acceptable mm-hmm. and I yes. didn't know I like I ended up falling down a rabbit hole of learning about Whitney Houston's mom who was also a very accomplished singer, singer. yeah I just didn't know anyways seen it a couple of times was really delighted to revisit it and i think that there's something to really be said for like a wholesome yet somewhat horny christmas movie um and this really delivers Mm -hmm. caitlin what's your history well i have never seen the movie before prepping for this episode so the whole spectrum is represented between someone who knows this movie inside and out (laughs) and someone who had never seen it so um listeners may know that i'm the grinch of the podcast. I am not really into Christmas spirit. I don't have any. I'm the Grinch's dog. (laughs) So um, I I don't seek out Christmassy movies very much unless it's Muppet Christmas Carol. And then I will watch that every year. Um, Oh, wow. But yeah, so I had never seen this movie. And um, I don't know what I was expecting, but it was not... Uh, a horny angel lusting after Whitney Houston and her lusting right back Mm -hmm. and then Courtney B. Vance being like um hello can you not (laughs) and that's basically (laughs) the movie it's a lot to talk about a lot to talk about (laughs) yeah so I'm excited to discuss uh should we just get into the recap let's do it All right. Sounds good. Actually, let's take a quick break and then we'll come right back. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through six x visit tomboyx.com with everything you have on your plate earning your degree online seems impossible but at grand canyon university we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day your graduation team led by your own gcu counselor provides you with the personal support you need to succeed Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. 
Visit gcu.edu. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so we open with voiceover from a little kid named Jeremiah saying that this story he's about to tell is true, even though no one believes him. (laughs) So many like wholesome family movies are narrated by little boys specifically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, let's spread the love around. I feel like we've covered several movies this year that begins with like, hi, I'm a little guy. You won't believe (laughs) what happened. It reminded me of um, a recent movie we've covered, Soul Food. Soul food. Oh, yeah, yeah. That. Also narrated by the little guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do love a child narrator, though. They're the yeah. most trustworthy, the most honest. <laughs> so and you you only see them every 20 minutes or so. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah. Pops in, Story gives around. a reflection. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Says <laughs> yeah. something profound. <laughs> okay. So it's a week from Christmas. We are in a church. We meet Jeremiah's mom and dad. So that is Julia Biggs, played by Whitney Houston. There's probably a more correct term for this, but I wrote down, she's the lead singer of the church choir. <laughs> the Beyonce of the choir, yes. The oh Whitney, the Whitney Houston of the, the Whitney choir. Houston Houston of the Whitney Houston of the choir. Yeah. The choir director probably would be. Okay, yeah. got it. Job yes. title. Yeah. Nice. Um, <laughs> And then her husband, Henry Biggs, played by Courtney B. Vance. He's the reverend at this church called St. Matthew's. And he's giving a sermon about temptation. And we're like, "Mm, foreshadowing much? Mm -hmm. Very different movie, but it weirdly, because I kind of forgot how horny this movie was. (laughs) But there's also like another like trope of movies that take place in church. It always starts with like an ominous foreshadowing pulpit talk. Mm -hmm. The same thing happens in Doubt. Very oh my god! <laughs> it also starts with like, so yeah. here's the theme of doubt. In yeah, your, uh, that's true. Oh, <laughs> Anyways, different movies. Different, different movie. movie. Also, one of my favorites, though. I love doubt. Yeah, I really yeah. love doubt. Yeah, mm-hmm. Jamie's a big doubt head. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so then we also meet Julia's mom, Marguerite, played by Jennifer Lewis. 
Mm-hmm. And things are not going great at the church. They are not pulling in many donations. They have to close the youth center. Henry just feels like he's not doing much good for the community. And so mm-hmm. he prays to God to send him some help. And then out of the sky falls Dudley. That's Denzel Washington. And Dudley is thrilled about being there. He's jumping around, he's dancing, and we're like, hmm, what's going on here? He scares the children. He does scare them away. Can I just say one thing about the amount of black icons that we see in the first 10 minutes of this film? (laughs) We see Loretta Devine, Jennifer Lewis, Paul Bates, and Sherry Headley, a.k.a. Lisa McDowell, the icon. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to say how many black icons, especially at that time, I want to say between like 89 and 97, <laughs> those were like really, really Everybody's standout black actors. Yeah. And yeah. then more will show up because then like yeah. Lionel Richie <laughs> yeah. has a cameo. Yeah. I forgot Lionel about Richie that. was a, a jump scare. But he was good. Like he did well. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So Dudley has fallen out of the sky and he mm-hmm. approaches Reverend Henry, and he's like, hey, I'm here on behalf of God, and I'm here to answer your request. But Henry doesn't believe him. He thinks it's some kind of joke, and he drives off. So Dudley's like, okay, I guess I'll try a different approach. Then a young black man named Billy gets arrested because he was in the wrong place at the wrong time, and he's racially profiled. So he gets put in jail. Henry goes to the police station to try to help, but he can't really do anything about it. And then Henry's car won't start. And Dudley shows up again. And then Henry's car magically starts. And Dudley's like, yeah, I did that. Because once again, I'm an angel. And then he explains that he, you know, used to be a human on earth. His time was cut short. He went to heaven. He became an angel. And he's just been waiting for a chance to come back to earth and help and and do good. Everyone's reception of an angel in this movie is on a scale of like, it makes sense how Courtney B. Vance reacts to him because he's like, I just don't believe you. This is all in a day's work to me to like, you know, passively accept what someone is saying. Mm -hmm. But later on, it's like, seems like other people fully believe he's an angel and they're like, yeah, there's this angel who's yeah. hanging out with us now. <laughs> yeah. just like, it's Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's the week before Christmas. <laughs> but everyone thinks that he was just like sent by the church council to help. I don't yeah. think anyone else realizes he's an angel. They're just like, he's right. a guy. He's a nice guy. He's hot. But Whitney does. And Whitney's <laughs> like, hmm, okay. Let's go like it. she's very, I'm used to like anytime there's like a supernatural occurrence, there, there has to be mm. a scream. There has to be a Freaky Friday moment. Mm. <laughs> but everyone's just sort of like, wow, this is wild. Merry Christmas to all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I also love Dudley's like imagery of like these angels in a waiting room in heaven, just like waiting yeah. to get sent down. Mm-hmm. Just like, how does it work? What's the process here? Even he seems like excited, like, oh, I made it. My number was called. I was like, oh, okay. Well, and then based on his clothes, I would guess he died in like the 
50s. I was going to say 19. (laughs) (laughs) And because he's wearing like a fedora and like, you know, the overcoat that like men always wore in that era. And so I'm like, okay, he's been waiting for like 40 or 45 years or so to be sent back down to earth. And he doesn't know what like Windows is. He's like, what? How do, what is computer? So I'm like, okay, he's from a a different era and he's been waiting for decades. When was pizza popular? Because oh, yeah, he scene. freaks out over the pizza mm-hmm. and the hot dog. So I don't know when those... Oh, man, I have to, I have to I be better know. about my food history. <laughs> I got to research this after. <laughs> or like a pizza slice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jamie, write a book about it. Sorry, you're yeah. right. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Dudley is with Henry, and he also outlines the rules of being an angel and helping people on earth, which are that angels can't do anything that people should be doing, that everything that like a person that an angel helps out does has to be of their own free will. And finally, when an angel has accomplished his mission and leaves, then the person he was helping, in this case, Henry, won't have any memory of the angel anymore that sounds like such a bummer job i know mm-hmm. he makes it, being an angel sound like a lot of paper pushing and then uh, <laughs> and like a lot of waiting around and then it's yeah. like and then you get to do something amazing and maybe you'll even fall in love but you can never have sex and then no one remembers you and you have to go back to the waiting room that's a thankless <laughs> job you should be able to have sex if you can't remember come on <laughs> That, that just seems unfair. That's true. Except Jeremiah will remember for some yeah, reason. Yeah, damn. He's like, no, yeah. mom, I swear to God, you had sex with Denzel Washington. I'm not Poor Jeremiah. Kidding. The trauma. No one's going to believe that. Yeah. Once it's too much. Oh, yeah, there's a very different tonal sequel to this movie where Jeremiah's in therapy years later being like, I know that this happened, but no one will acknowledge Denzel Washington's presence in my life one week. It's like haunted by the memory of Denzel. Oh, God. (laughs) Okay, so then as Dudley is saying goodbye to Henry, they shake hands. And then there's like this surge of warm energy between them. And Henry's like, oh, my God, Mm. what was that? And there's music and it's going like ding ling ling ling. Does it remind (laughs) you guys of the Broad City whoosh? Ooh, mm. I didn't connect that up my own, but yeah, totally. <laughs> when the wind is knocked out of her, yeah, we we love the Broad City Whoosh. We actually oh reference God. it all the time. That's one of my favorite episodes. Yes, <laughs> it's you. The wind knocked out of you. <laughs> Which is what happens to Henry. He's like, oh my god, yeah. but then he's like, mm. um, actually, I don't feel anything, and I still don't believe you. Bye. Now, meanwhile, things are falling apart. The church boiler explodes. Mm-hmm. Jeremiah's best friend, Hakeem, is taken away to be put in foster care. Billy has to stay in jail because his bail is too high for his friends or family to be able to pay it. Um, and then also things between Henry and his wife, Julia, are not great he is too busy with a lot of these church matters to have much time for her and julia's mother marguerite notices and she's like get your house back together yeah marguerite Mm. really is like hey get over it i my (laughs) husband also neglected me for the same job and you're like well can you at least commiserate guys (laughs) 
So then Dudley shows up again being like, actually, I'm the reverend's new assistant. The church council sent me. And Henry's secretary, Beverly, played by Loretta Devine, thinks she's being fired and replaced. And Dudley's <laughs> like, no, 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 I'm just here to so I'm an amazing <laughs> scene. <laughs> yeah. she's so Loretta's funny. so good for that. She's she so is. good at that, like, kind of monologue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and playing, like, an anxious character. Like, yes. She does that so well. Sure. Have you guys seen her on Watch What Happens Live? No. no, she's one of my all-time favorite guests on Watch What Happens Live. She went crazy. Oh god, she got I need so to see that. drunk. Really? Oh, my god. <laughs> yes. That show is like chaotic evil. Chaos already. No, yeah. I know. I want to be a bartender so bad. <laughs> yeah. So bad. Andy, if you're listening, please mean to talk to me any day. Yes, slide us in. But yes, oh, Loretta okay. Devine on Watch What Happens Live is a very good episode. Okay. If you want to oh, hear nice. some gossip, then oh, incredible. Yeah. I will watch it. <laughs> okay, so Dudley's like, no, 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 I'm just here to help. And then Julia and Marguerite are like, sounds good to me, especially because you're hot and sexy, so we don't <laughs> mind having you around. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> and then Dudley hangs out with Jeremiah and confronts him because Jeremiah is sad that Hakeem has just left. Then Henry has a meeting with this guy named Joe Hamilton, played by Gregory Hines. He's a real estate developer who wants to build like basically a mega church and he wants Henry to be the reverend there. Also like another like 80s 90s trope of like uh, land developer as the main antagonist of the movie. They sh- mm. We should bring that back. Mm. I mean, it's, where did that go? Now more than ever. Yeah. <laughs> Let's villainize landlords. Yeah. <laughs> so Henry reluctantly accepts Joe's offer. And then when Henry tells Julia about it, she's furious that Henry didn't consult her and that he sold out. And also her father used to be the reverend at St. Matthew's. So Mm -hmm. she feels like extra attachment to it. And she feels like she doesn't want the church to be abandoned or like her Mm -hmm. presence or family's presence in the church to go away. Mm -hmm. That to me was a wild moment, him selling the church that belonged to his wife's father, <laughs> like out from underneath her yeah. without right. even consulting. It's like, is this real life? <laughs> right. How are you going to live past this? <laughs> yeah. And she's only allowed to be upset about it for like a scene. Yeah. And then right. her mom's like, well, get over it. You're like, shouldn't you be mad too? That's like, <laughs> right. You have a huge attachment to this church. Yeah. yeah it's like grounds for a divorce. But <laughs> it was kind of swept under like it was nothing. This movie was written by men. Yeah. I think that's when yeah, the audience starts turning and being like, you know what? Maybe you can't fuck with Denzel Washington. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? Maybe you should. Yeah. <laughs> I'm rooting for Julia and Dudley. Yeah, all day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that was a scene where I was like, oh, this movie was written by two men. If they're like, well, they'll discuss the fact that this happened, but also, mm. you know, they're, it's yeah. ultimately She'll they have to fine. accept their decision. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> okay, so Dudley, meanwhile, he's concerned about Henry and Julia's marriage. So he's like, Julia, all you need to do is just go dancing together and reignite that spark. 
but Henry is too busy to go. So he's like, Dudley, you take her dancing. Mm. So <laughs> Julia. Could you Dudley. imagine <laughs> handing off your woman to Denzel Washington? And I mean, like, let's go to jazz night. <laughs> right. <What? laughs> in, your, in her little black dress. You, you know? know? Oh my gosh. And she, when she's walking down the stairs and Dudley's like, Hubba, hubba, awooga. <laughs> it's so, like, I feel like that's the power of Denzel Washington, where it's, like, it's not necessarily a horny shot, but he makes mm-hmm. it a horny shot. And you're just yeah. Like, yeah. The eyes. I know. And mm-hmm. it might be a little bit of projection, no? Like, you are horny watching Denzel. So, <laughs> right. perhaps, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> or horny watching Whitney. It's Or it's, horny watching Whitney, even that's if, if her it's wig is very attractive shiny. people. Yeah. <laughs> that wig was plastic. It though. was crazy, the wig. Crazy. But it's fine. So shiny. <laughs> okay, so then Julia and Dudley go dancing. Lionel Richie's there. And he's mm-hmm. like, Julia, you should sing the way you used to when you came here. Because this movie uses any excuse to have Whitney Houston <laughs> sing. It happens uh, yes, so many times. So many times. Mm-hmm. I think it's actually really important, though. Yeah. I want to talk about it towards mm-hmm. the end. But I think it is important that Whitney... Mm-hmm. Well, it's important. And also, I'm sure it was a demand. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I will be in this movie if I can sing yeah. in... Every 12 scene. scenes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so she sings... Dudley is like, woohoo, good job. And they ultimately just like have a very nice time at the jazz club. They come home. Henry but there's is a vibe. Jealous. But there's oh, a I mean, vibe. They're there's definitely vibing. a vibe. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Heavy. <laughs> so much so that when they come home, Henry is very jealous. And he's like, I don't believe this. And Dudley's like, well, that's your problem. You don't believe anything anymore. You're compromising your values. You're ignoring your wife. And you haven't even done anything about your son losing his best friend. And you don't even believe that Billy is innocent. So Henry's like, "Mm, maybe he's right. So Henry goes to the courthouse and gives an impassioned speech to the judge. Next thing we know, Billy is free and home. Then there's a scene where Julia and Dudley are ice skating. And <laughs> Julia and Dudley are on a date. They are like on a, a date fully. <laughs> and it feels so on a date that she is like, Jeremiah, get out of here yeah go get even jeremiah was side-eyeing though like, <laughs> yeah. jeremiah on the bench looking like something's not right here like, he, like, date? <laughs> <laughs> he like knew that he was the third wheel so he's like I, yes. I need to sit down i need to go over here drink my cocoa and then like julia and dudley if you thought they were vibing before now oh they God. are vi and this oh, romantic oh, music heavy. is playing and we're mm-hmm. like are is she gonna have sex with an angel what oh. is happening the um, thrill through my seven-year-old body if i found out that they were going to have an affair at the local hilton oh my god y'all don't even know oh my god do you all um me and natasha just had an episode about this reviewing some holiday movies that'll come out the end of november but we talked about how there's a, not a whole lot of like on-screen chemistry the way that there used to be in films with couples like right. whitney and 
Denzel have such a fair secrecy chemistry <laughs> and Whitney and Courtney have such husband wife Marriage. married 30 years live with your mama chemistry yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh the chemistry yeah. is impeccable in this film I think it really is mm-hmm. I feel the same way about a lot it feels like there's more of like an algorithmic nature to, to casting now and it's like not ah. considered like like okay who are two people with like huge followings that yeah. like aren't the same audience as yeah yeah. just be like they're That's in love true. and it's like nah. it usually doesn't work <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah I don't think they do chemistry tests anymore you know, yeah before yeah. like yeah. figuring out who they should cast you're totally they have yeah. such discreet affair <laughs> oh my god <laughs> specific <laughs> discretion and you know who else can tell is Julia's mom Marguerite mm-hmm. she, yeah. they come home from ice skating and she all but like screams and she's like you cannot have sex with dudley you're married to henry (laughs) and then also henry sees all the chemistry they have and he's like dudley stay away from my wife and leave right now so then there's a scene where julia and henry are taking christmas baskets to people and julia calls him out for being jealous and he's like i'm not jealous meanwhile Dudley is lurking nearby and he uses his angel powers to blow Henry over. So he falls in the snow and then Julia comes over and Dudley blows her over next to Henry because in an earlier scene, she had told Dudley a story about how when they were kids, she and Dudley fell in the snow together and that's how they like knew they were going to get married someday or something. Um, and so now they're in the snow again and they're vibing. They're kind of reconnecting mm-hmm, as husband mm-hmm. and wife. And then other things start to get better too. The church has a new boiler. Henry has arranged to bring Hakeem back to stay with them over the holidays. And then Henry goes to Joe Hamilton, that real estate guy, to be mm-hmm. like, never mind. I'm not going to be a sellout in your mega church. And Joe is like, oh, yeah, well, I bought the mortgage and I'm going to tear your church down. And so suddenly the stakes are so high. And then (laughs) Dudley goes to see Joe Hamilton and he's basically like, I'm an angel. And if you tear down this church, I will see to it that you go straight to hell. Oh, my God. They have the (laughs) piano that they have at the Magic Castle. And you're like, wow, really impressive. (laughs) Really cool, God. Uh, (laughs) It's so Christmas movie. Yeah, yes. I love the little subtle, random ways that they like wield magic and like yeah. the power mm-hmm. of God, like mm-hmm. playing the piano. Like, why that moment? Yeah, right. turning on a radio, you know, really powerful stuff. He's like, wait, mm-hmm. that not even plugged in. You're like, yeah, mm-hmm. Gregory Hines, that's God, God. Is real. That's God. <laughs> um, okay, so I think it's Christmas Day now. Dudley comes to the church to say goodbye to Julia, saying it's time for him to leave. And then Henry gives this big Christmas sermon in which he was planning to tell everyone that the church is going to be torn down. But then he goes off script and gives a passionate sermon about hope and love and forgiveness and how an angel helped him. And they're going to save the church. And everyone's like, woo. And Dudley's like, oh, he finally believes in me. 
And then Julia sings some more because Whitney Houston put in her contract that she has to sing a million songs. And then uh, Joe Hamilton is like, never mind, I won't tear down your church. And so all is well, which means that Dudley's angel mission is accomplished, which also means that Henry and Julia forget. That he has to go back to what sounds like purgatory. <laughs> it sounds like he works in purgatory. He works at a call center. Yeah, like, yeah. It literally sounds like no exit. Like, it sounds scary. Yeah. Yes. But it's heaven. <laughs> right. Because Dudley accomplished his mission, Henry and Julia forget Dudley now. They don't recognize him. It's like they never met him, but Jeremiah still does. And then the movie ends with the family together and happy. They adopt Hakeem. And now Dudley is the angel tree topper on their Christmas tree. The end. Yay. Yay. So, <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> Let's take a quick break and we'll come back to discuss. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. 
This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. back. Uh, but what if all you wanted for Christmas was to have sex with Angel I mean, Denzel Washington? How does that work? How does that square? Yeah, oh Julia does God. not get her wish, her Christmas mm-hmm. wish. But at least she'll never know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Shall we start with some context corner? Yes. Yeah. So this movie is an adaptation. We already said for a movie from the 40s that none of us have ever seen and probably never will because this one is good. Uh, (laughs) Directed by Penny Marshall, obviously a very iconic director. I'm trying to think of, we've covered several of her movies on this show before. We recently covered Big, we've covered A League of Their Own, and now this movie. As it is written by, I think that this movie is an interesting case, an interesting, I mean, questionable case of a lot of high up white creatives with an all black cast, uh, because the screenplay is written by two white guys. However, Denzel Washington was the major production force in uh, getting this movie made. It was produced through his production company, Mundy Lane Entertainment. And at the time, he gave an interview about uh, sort of the importance and his commitment to having an all-black cast in this movie. Although he did consider having Julia Roberts in the main part at one point. Yes. What? And then was, and then was like, never mind, Whitney Houston. Oh my God, that would have changed the whole movie. That's that would have crazy. Changed everything. Yeah, <laughs> oh no Jennifer Lewis, unless yeah. Julia right. was like adopted or something. Also, Jennifer Lewis is only six years older than Whitney. Houston. I was gonna say she does not give Whitney Houston's mom at all. Yeah, really. yeah, yeah. I kept forgetting that they were sisters. But okay, so yeah, I, I, yeah. Denzel Washington said this at the time, uh, just about his company in general. I'm happy to know that on a film like Devil in a Blue Dress, we put 100 or so many black people to work. And it was the same thing with The Preacher's Wife. And it will be the same thing with other films that I'm involved in, whether I'm I'm on a producer level or not. We do it because they're capable and because nobody else is necessarily looking out for them. Speaking about black actors and black creatives in general. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nice. I love knowing that. I didn't realize that Denzel was... I mean, I saw that Penny Marshall had directed it, but it was Denzel's mm-hmm. production company behind it. Which, yeah, I didn't know that either. That feels good. Also, I think the, we can get into it, but like the representation of the church and the mm-hmm. black family, and I think it felt very authentic. So mm-hmm. it makes sense that there were black creatives behind the scene that helped make it, you know, mm-hmm. bring justice to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we stand Penny Marshall, but I was like, why her directing it although like apparently Denzel Washington like sought her out specifically and was like Mm. you need to direct this movie please and she originally turned it down because she didn't think the script was very good but then it got rewritten and then she came on board Denzel also approached Whitney Houston and was like you have to be in this movie And she said, okay, but I did a little bit of research on the novel that it was based on, Mm, Um, mm -hmm. (laughs) which, you know, it's not the most relevant thing, except to say that it ends very, very differently from both the movie adaptation from the 40s 
And the preacher's wife. She does have sex with Denzel Washington. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Please tell me that shit. <laughs> it's closer to that. It's not quite that, but it is Uh-oh. closer to it. So the way the book ends is that the angel, who in this case is named Michael, he realizes or he learns that he, as an angel, can't fulfill, quote unquote, mortal love because it's not related to divine intervention. So he can't have sex, basically, because it would be inappropriate and it's not divine enough or something. and (laughs) very philosophical. Okay. Wow. So he returns to heaven after helping the bishop character. And then Julia realizes that she will never have a passionate relationship with her husband, she then decides to have another child to share her love with since she knows she won't get that love from her husband. Oh, God. Weirdo. (laughs) I got dark. (laughs) That is so weird. And when I was also looking up this book, I couldn't find a whole lot of information about it, but it's also listed as like, satire i think it might be more satirical than both movie adaptations which i think are far more earnest yeah okay that makes more sense (laughs) still weird still weird weird, but also explains hakeem's character yes oh he was that other child could be yeah 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 That's a good point, because when I ended the movie, I didn't really feel that hopeful for Whitney. I mean, I know the music is going and everyone's smiling and it's Christmas, but like, okay, the church is still going to be around. That's great. But he's still busy as hell. Like, that was the real issue with Henry. Like, he's never home. So is that problem solved like we don't get any resolve on that. So, yeah, I felt the same way. Like, she's pretty much back to one at the end of the movie Mm -hmm. especially because henry's assistant loretta divine is like remember that part at the end where that character saul is like i'm gonna marry you Mm -hmm. and reverend you're gonna have to find a new secretary implying that like she (laughs) won't work anymore now that she's married (laughs) yeah she's married oh god now julia's gonna get sucked into it So he's going to be even more busy. I mean, maybe he'll hire another like assistant or secretary. But yeah, it ended a little bizarrely to me. Yeah. And then another thing I wanted to point out about kind of the development of this movie is that an earlier version of the script had Julia being quite underdeveloped. So according to an interview with Whitney Houston. She says, Julia was a little sterile, and I thought, she needs to be more realistic. She needs to get a little mad sometimes, because she's being put off a lot. She needs expression. She needs to be able to express herself. And she needs a job. She needs something to do, as opposed to the bishop's wife, where she was just the bishop's wife. Mm -hmm. So I think she pushed for a more developed character in julia with rewrites although i would argue that like they could have done a bit more to develop her because at least for me like the julia character mostly exists as like 
the object of two men's affection more than mm-hmm. like a fully realized fleshed out yeah. character who is like allowed to make active choices and mm-hmm. do anything that steers the direction of the story. And I think like Whitney Houston being that character, like maybe tricks people into thinking she's a more dynamic and interesting character than she actually is. But like, I, I kept being like, yeah, this movie is called The Preacher's Wife, so I expected it to be more about mm. her doing things. Right, mm-hmm. but she's kind of like just, I mean, I saw that quote as well, and I was like, wow, it sucks that Whitney Houston had to push to get what felt like not yeah. even this very much. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 And, and also, I mean, I think just in general, like, I, this is like, I don't know if this character is a complete example of this, but I feel like there's very often when there's like a woman at the center of a story, especially if she is a wife and a mother, like she's written in this kind of sterile way. And mm-hmm. like, she's only allowed to have an inner life up to a very particular point. And then at a point where it would actually become a threat or like too much about her, it scales back. Cause the script takes great care to say like, she is an excellent wife and mother. Mm-hmm. Like that point is mm-hmm. hit on repeatedly and that she loves her husband, even though I'm like, but we can feel the vibe in this scene. But okay, you know, I don't know. Or, or like the scenes between her and her mother feel like they're mostly there to reinforce her goodness, even though it's usually her mom yelling at her about mm-hmm, potentially, mm-hmm. I don't know. I kind of struggled with how kind of underdeveloped she felt. I'm like, just let her have like a crisis about her marriage. Like it doesn't make mm-hmm. her a bad person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, her whole focus is on, her focus on her mother's focus is on, like, the keeping the household together, meaning their marriage. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, she's not really allowed to have, like, an outer life. I guess she gets this little dalliance with Dudley, but mm-hmm. I think it was, yeah, interesting how Henry, his focus is so external, mm-hmm. and it's fine, but it seems as if the issues within their household, like, the success of it being solved relies on julia mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. his business his first business is the church and getting that together and julia needs to work harder to get his attention back mm-hmm. and that's basically yeah what her focus can only be and as soon as she starts something with dudley it eventually gets halted pretty quickly right yeah i will say her involvement and position at the church is a pretty common one of most of the times the preacher's wife is the head of the music at the church Mm -hmm. and her being whitney houston obviously gives it a leg up but also (laughs) this is according to wikipedia the best-selling gospel album of all time is the soundtrack to this film which Mm -hmm. is not surprising (laughs) because it is fantastic but what it also does for julia is it kind of gives her kind of like a sister act kind of storyline of like I have this talented choir just waiting for stardom. Like, it gives her that kind of leadership position, but it's still at her husband's church. Mm-hmm. So it's still right. kind of underneath her husband's uh, kind of wing or shadow. But what it does do is give her a leadership position and a place where she can, like, really stand out in this film. Which apparently she had to fight for. Again, she's like... Yeah. <laughs> she's like, can my character do can she have a job do anything <laughs> do anything yeah. yeah yeah can i just sell these records like you know i can like right. hello right <laughs> yeah but i just thought that was a really it's a part of the film that i never thought about of how important the soundtrack is to the development of julia's character mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. totally mm-hmm. 
yet, Justine, because this mm-hmm. movie is a documentary. How did, yes. you, how, did you, uh, how did you feel about how the church was representative portrayed within the movie? So perfectly. So yeah. cool. perfectly. That's why it does not surprise me, even though I didn't know it, that Denzel Washington's production company was behind this because I went to a church where it was really small. There was no air conditioning, but it was a stop on the Underground Railroad. So there was like a historic aspect to the church. It's been around since like 1856, I think. But it's like so small. The people who run it are all 70 plus. (laughs) And the choir is like phenomenal and they made most of their donations and money through Christmas Mm -hmm. so this is a very accurate portrayal and then I thought it was cool that the Georgia Mass Choir is like the main like it's like a professional huge successful choir Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. I was gonna add another I think really authentic aspect of the church in the movie is like the struggling black church yep I feel like every church I've been to there's like a building fund there's like a Mm -hmm. fundraiser for something something's broken somebody's son needs the down payment for you know a new house or needs the deposit for school and the whole community is rallying around so i Mm -hmm. thought that was very very true to form when um i think it's billy they have Mm -hmm. to get the bail money for billy and like Mm -hmm. how involved henry was how involved everybody was that is i mean that's so authentic Mm -hmm. to just like the community feel of church even the moment where the youth center got closed and how like devastating that was just for the kids because mm-hmm. oftentimes the church is that's the hangout spot yeah know? like yeah not even during sundays like maybe during the week once you know your yeah. mom's going to bible study and then you're just like hanging out with everybody else mm-hmm. uh, you know downstairs at the youth center so yeah i thought that was very very authentic just those little tiny moments made it very much like okay this is we're in a for real black church it's Mm -hmm. not just a movie this feels like real Mm -hmm. yeah that's something i really liked about the movie is that it presents this notion of like just because it's christmas time doesn't mean that all of these like issues that affect a community go away the way that Mm. so many christmas movies are like wow, it's the most magical time of year. It's cookies and gingerbread men mm-hmm. and sugar and <laughs> cocoa and everything's amazing and yeah. everything's so beautiful. Which And that's because so many movies center upper middle class white characters or families in like mm-hmm. predominantly white suburbs or they'll mm-hmm. be in like castles or an estate, mm. something like that. And I just appreciate that this movie centers a black family and black community and you know it it has it depicts a lot of things that affect this community Mm -hmm. you know the struggle of a lot of these characters being in a poor class a character being racially profiled and arrested Mm -hmm. just days before christmas like Mm -hmm. these things unfortunately Mm -hmm. do happen and the movie's like yeah these things don't stop happening just because it's december 20th or something (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i never thought about that it's a good point and it's still like a like it presents all these very real authentic issues and also still is a very like joyful movie Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. has like a very hopeful message which i feel like is a difficult needle to kind of thread that this movie does Mm -hmm. really well yeah that's a good point because i feel like sometimes yeah, it could be a very thin line with, like, a movie that's trying to show, like, social issues or, like, mm-hmm. the plight of, you know, black poverty or whatever. Like, it could get 
you know, dark and sad and mm-hmm. the way that they're able to maintain like humor and magic and mm-hmm. romance mm-hmm. is actually really impressive. <laughs> it is. Yeah. You need all those characters. You need the guy who drives the church van. Mm-hmm. You need the like nice lady <laughs> oh. who's a lawyer who goes to church. Like you need all those people in order to insert all that humor mm-hmm. and levity into these yeah. situations because they bring it in real life. <laughs> yeah. You need Loretta Divine yeah. to be there. You have to have Loretta Divine. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I wish that we had more Loretta Divine. I mean she's there <laughs> mainly for for like the comic relief through line of like she thinks that Denzel Washington is trying to displace her mm-hmm. <laughs> when he's working for his job is I think much worse than anyone else's in the movie. <laughs> it sounds like he lives in hell kind of <laughs> Do you see how excited he was when he was eating pizza? He's like, oh, my God, I haven't had food in 40 years. Like, Does God not let you eat? <laughs> they're torturing them up there. What? I thought it was supposed to be paradise. I thought you could get whatever you want, whatever you wanted, however right. you wanted it to be made. Right. What? God's, like, feeding them astronaut food. They're like, add water. Astronaut <laughs> food, like, yeah. Basically <laughs> meatless. <water. laughs> Anyways, but I I wish that we had more Loretta Divide. We do learn a little bit about her character. We know that she's a single mom, but I I just felt like, like we talk about on the show all the time, there were opportunities and characters and obviously like unbelievable actors that like, why wouldn't she take advantage of an opportunity to show Loretta Divine and Whitney Houston like acting together more? Because also this came out the year after Waiting to Exhale. You're like... Oh my Dude, God! We know that right. their chemistry is off the <laughs> yeah. charts. Like, write yeah. a more meaningful friendship for them because it's like yeah. if you cast Loretta Divine. I mean, obviously, every second she's on screen is amazing. It's again, it's very like two guys wrote this movie that Denzel Washington's Christmas gift to her is a boyfriend, but it was <laughs> sweet. I liked it. Like. I just felt like there was so much more potential for that character, especially because we already know that she and Whitney Houston have like unbelievable chemistry because of a mm-hmm. huge movie that came out the year before. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good point. They mm-hmm. very much underutilized her. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think another thing in the movie, there was a lot of little subplots, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> not all necessary. I love Loretta, mm-hmm. love to see her, but that was like a random subplot. <laughs> I agree. Like, Whitney really only talks with her mother yeah. or confides yeah. in her mother, mm-hmm. I guess a little bit in Dudley. But, yeah, I don't know why they didn't give her, like, an out or have some other aside. A with- friendship, a female yes, friendship. A friendship. Yeah. friendship even. And how yeah. scandalous would it have been if it was her husband's assistant? That would have been fabulous. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> another subplot to all yeah. the subplots. Yeah. Because yeah. Loretta yeah, Divine yeah. has, like, Whatever. information yeah. about him that she, like, that's yeah. that's an important friendship. Yes, yeah. exactly. He knows his yeah. schedule. That's how she could sneak around with the dates with Dudley. She could have gone on more <laughs> dates. Like, we could have really made this happen. They started Ew. a new Google Googled calendar for infidelity. (laughs) (laughs) That makes me so happy. Uh, Yeah, and I think, like, I liked that, I mean, yeah, I guess that Julia and Dudley are friends. I get, I mean, they're friends, but also they're friends. They're more than friends. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They're winking at each other. They're flirting. I guess this is, like, my last thought on Julia's character is that 
I think it's interesting that they give her, and I'm pretty sure this detail was added when Whitney Houston was cast to justify her singing more of like, oh, she used to really like singing at this club, but now she only sings at the church, but she Mm -hmm. still misses singing at the club and really enjoyed it. And Lionel Mm -hmm. Richie wishes that she was there more. Just like a cool yeah. detail. I really liked that scene. But I feel like it like introduces like one of those subplots that like she mm-hmm. is looking for fulfillment outside the church and looking for like validation of her singing outside the church. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't get that. And everyone close to her, especially I mean, definitely her husband, but also Dudley and her mom kind of like reinforced to her, like, you should be happy with what you have. Like that Mm -hmm. Dudley literally says that to her. He's saying like everything you ever wanted, you already have. And it's like, well, I'm pretty sure several scenes ago, she told you that's not true. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. I found it like in the way that again, like the the wife and mother box of like, you're lucky to Mm -hmm. be in the place that you are and it would be selfish to want more or different Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's important too that in that scene at the club she's singing a secular song she's not singing a song about god yeah that is really important to the film and that's yeah wow i never really even realized how like instrumental that one scene is to giving us a little tease into who she was before but that's true and i always my well my whole family is always like she's not singing about God in this. She's singing about her and Dudley. This is scandalous and crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But it's such a good song. Yeah. I love that song. I think that Henry kind of gets let off the hook a little too Mm. Mm -hmm. easily because like, Mm -hmm. I understand that he is a very important member of this community. A lot of people look to him for guidance and for assistance and and all this kind of stuff. So he's very, you know, busy running around. But he is, like, pretty actively neglecting his relationship with mm-hmm. his partner. And like we said, like, Marguerite is always on Julia's case about it. She's never on Henry's case to be never. like... Even though she doesn't like him. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yes. She, yes. Like, which is where I was like, why are you defending him so hard when you seem to actively dislike him? <laughs> right. Mm. Yeah. And she's like, mm. well, you know, my husband was the same way and that's just how it is. And it's like, it Wait, doesn't... Did you hate him too? <laughs> like, you don't have to be nice to him. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, Marguerite's always being like, Julia, the responsibility is on you to like maintain this household and keep this family together. But like, seems like she's doing all she can. Meanwhile, Henry, you know, he's doing his responsibilities around the community, but he also doesn't seem to be fully acknowledging that it's taking a toll on his marriage. And there's a scene where, like, I think they're eating breakfast together and he's, like, being snippy and he says something like, if you were listening more closely, you would have heard an apology in there, but now I have to go to a meeting. And it's like, mm. well, you actually didn't apologize, which is why no one heard it. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, what? God. And then he, like, gets mm-hmm. so... And, like, I get it. He's, like, very threatened by Dudley. Understandable. It's Denzel Washington. He's very handsome, and he's also actively seducing mm-hmm. <laughs> his wife. But he doesn't seem to take much accountability for their relationship and i think by the end he still doesn't fully recognize like oh i need to be a more present partner in this Mm -hmm. relationship and good thing that i don't know who dudley is anymore or else i would still probably be really jealous (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I think that's what's really missing from the movie is like a full mm-hmm. circle moment for Henry acknowledging mm-hmm. like a full accountability moment. Yeah. That's why I kind of ended yeah. being like, I don't really have much hope for them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like the church isn't sold. Yay. But like your marriage is still in the gutter. Right. And I think also, yeah, Henry, is he gets off very easily. Mm-hmm. He's not only neglectful of his wife but even his son his son's best friend got sent to foster care Mm -hmm. like no conversation between the two of them he keeps missing moments and appointments with his son and Mm -hmm. um like you don't see marguerite saying anything about that Mm -hmm. like it's really very much focused on the marriage and you know poor little jeremiah is like sitting back witnessing all of this and getting the brunt of it in his own way by not having his dad present for sure and then has to remember all of it <laughs> and no one else does Ugh. he's the only one <laughs> with the trauma oh my god yeah i agree i'm not convinced at the end of the movie that he's necessarily going to treat her better right now mm-hmm. that everything's done and also that doesn't make the work he's doing in his community any less important any less impactful any less taxing on your energy but it feels like a very low bar to be like, okay, so he's not going to sell her family's church <laughs> to a land developer. You're like, Why that's that a really low bar. <laughs> yeah, that shouldn't have been on the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah to not sell the church that was handed to you by your wife's family. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Man. Joe Hamilton, by the way, speaking of this <laughs> land developer guy, I was like, Joe Hamilton, because black people can be blood sucking real estate sharks mm-hmm. too. I'm too. Like, yeah. interesting <laughs> casting. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Also, another uh, iconic black actor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh my God. Yeah, for sure. That is interesting. The choice of making the like real estate vulture guy a black, a black guy. guy. Yeah. And he's from the community too, right? He seems very familiar yeah. with seems everybody. Like, yeah. yeah. Yep. I wonder how that is done in the, again, like we didn't watch the original or, or read the original, but right. I wonder if that is like a one-to-one thing from the original. Don't know. Yeah, The movie and I think the book focuses more on the bishop. Bishop Henry is trying to raise money to build a huge cathedral for his overcrowded parish. So it's actually the bishop's idea to be like, let's build a huge church Mm. rather than uh, an outside like real estate developer coming in and trying to bring the bishop onto the mega church. Yeah. So that's a a story change. Mm -hmm. I don't even know if there is a real estate developer character in the original source material. Anyway. Again, a very nineties choice. Like I always think of like, that was a main plot point in Casper. That was a main plot point in like Mm -hmm. so many. They're like, save the building. The Hannah Montana movie. (laughs) Save the building. Save the building. (laughs) And it's like, I mean, in the case of this movie, in the case of all those movies, yeah, they had to save the building. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, the stakes, they're high. Mm-hmm. I wanted to talk a little bit more about Julia and Marguerite's relation. Actually, I don't know. I feel like we maybe covered it. I, I do want to add, though, like, I love, I love Jennifer Lewis. Mm-hmm. She has played so many mothers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. many black films. I love her character. I, I lo- <laughs> she's terrible, but also great. <laughs> yeah. 
she's always like, I don't like to get into other people's business. And all she does yeah. is get into other people's Everybody's business. Everybody's business. All up in the business. <laughs> yep. Smoking her cigarette in the house. Yeah. With the child's walking around. Like, <laughs> terrible. God bless. It's great. I, I also, I still am like, brutal that they cast her as Whitney's mom when she is... I can't say it enough. A mere six years older. <laughs> Ridiculous. Yes. Whitney. She was born in 57. Whitney was born in 63. That does happen every once wow. in a while. I feel like that was a, yeah. that was a big thing. People talk about with golden girls all the time too. Oh um, yeah. Is that like sure. the mother daughter yeah. were unbelievably close yeah. in age and you're like, Oh, you're kind of <laughs> roasting this other actor for no reason. <laughs> but Anyways, yeah, no, Jennifer Lewis, it's like, I mean, it's not like you would want anyone else playing this part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. she has just, like, strong black mom energy. She I don't know. does. <laughs> she has strong black mom energy, and she could really be a villainess in a great way, and she was a little bit of a villain in this film, I think. But in a very, mm-hmm. like, realistic, authentic very way, realistic, scarily mm-hmm. authentic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, just like all up in their business, observing their marriage because she lives there. Mm-hmm. Always wants to put her two cents in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, cracking down on her daughter for what's mm. going on in your house. Like, get it together. I taught you better than this. Mm. Like, right. I wish she, I mean, she's very authentic, so it is what it is. I mm-hmm. wish she had a little bit more of like a harder stance against Henry. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And calling, trying to hold him accountable more than just her daughter. I wish even just like one or two more lines <laughs> yeah. about that would have been just add a little bit more balance. Yeah. And have, you know, someone else on Julia's team. Mm-hmm. But I think they wanted to keep her character very traditional just like mm-hmm. the focus daughter your focus is on the household remember that that was what my focus was now i passed that on to you right mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. yeah i mean it's like again most of the women we've talked about like there's certainly more that could have been done with her again we could have given her a friend in the church this is a community mm. she's like been connected to for longer than anyone else in the movie but they mm-hmm. sort of were like no we're just gonna sort of have her scold whitney houston in the kitchen every 20 minutes or so. Uh, I liked her <laughs> yeah. scene with Denzel. That was fun. Oh, and she's like, walk me over to the neighbor's house. Stay away from my daughter. Yeah, I'm like, should they hook up? Like, I'm open <laughs> to what this looks like. Pimping Denzel out. I mean, well, okay, when we first meet Marguerite, when Jeremiah's like giving voiceover and like introducing all the main characters, he says something like, and that's my grandma. Mm-hmm. Everyone says she needs a man, whatever that means. And it's like, okay. <laughs> I mean. Oh, God. It was so yeah. unnecessary. Very. <laughs> yeah. Another unnecessary dig. Like. An unnecessary dig, but also a very true aside that yeah. people are in the church yep. are looking at, oh, uh-huh. she needs a man. She's uh-huh. still single. Uh-huh. You, we haven't hooked her up with anybody yet. <laughs> yep. oh, God. oh, she's single again. What mm-hmm. happened to the last one? Like, that's also so true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I want to list off a few because horny angel representation is important. There's been a lot of horny angel erasure. Oh, I was going to say, who are, are, are there other horny angels? I can't think of another horny angel. Uh, no, I'm saying that it's, it's been yeah. nothing but erasure uh, <laughs> until this movie. Uh, Horniness this- is beautiful and from heaven. <laughs> exactly right. It's why people exist. <laughs> the scene where 
Dudley tells Julia to buy a negligee because he's like, oh my god, oh my god oh my you would look god. so hot in this. Oh my god, for your husband, but mm, it would be so hot. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I don't know. I'm looking for a present from my son, and he's like, Oh, okay, never mind, never mind, never mind, never mind. Just like the moment has passed. Laying it on thick. Oh, it's yeah, and then the scene toward the end where Dudley's looking at julia and henry's wedding photo and then he uses his like angel powers to replace henry with his own image and then god gets Mm -hmm. pissed off and like thunder happens and he's like Mm -hmm. sorry (laughs) (laughs) maybe they'll reunite in heaven or purgatory or where i don't want to yeah. go to that version of heaven it's <laughs> <a> stressful <laughs> not yeah I don't. I hope he gets another assignment and gets to come back <laughs> yeah. and somehow escapes yeah. <laughs> oh i also God. wanted to shout out hans zimmer wrote the score for this movie yeah wild really oh. yeah Oh, wow. Wow. I didn't know that. I mean, the music okay. is amazing. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Wow. And then I also, just to point out, like, there are a handful of characters that make, like, fatphobic comments or jokes. Yeah. That just feels very of the era for, like, casual fatphobia to be just so normal in a yeah. movie of this time. When did fatphobia stop? in films have um, stopped in never films? <laughs> never yeah. right okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's still okay. there <laughs> okay. cool okay yeah 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 does anyone have anything else they want to talk about i just thoroughly enjoyed watching this <laughs> i have to just like think about because this came out when 1996 mm-hmm. i was even just looking at everyone's career at this time mm. like denzel had just won the oscar for glory mm-hmm. best supporting we had got to see him as Malcolm X, mm-hmm. uh, Philadelphia. Like, we know Denzel now, mm-hmm. that, you know, 20, whatever, 30 years later. But he was kind of, I don't want to say up and coming, but he was still mm-hmm. in the early stages of his career. So yeah. to see, just to have that context. And then Whitney, too, she was just in The Bodyguard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Courtney B. Vance, I think, had won a Tony already by now for Fences. Mm-hmm. Jennifer Lewis is in a million movies by now. The cast is just really impressive. Like, it's yeah. just so super stacked, especially now in 2023, thinking about all these people's careers now. Mm-hmm. Um, just how special of a movie it was to have this, like, ensemble black mm-hmm. cast. Yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm. And even though I'm lukewarm on the Reverend Henry character, Courtney B. Mm-hmm. Vance, like, his speech at the courthouse and then mm, his mm-hmm. sermon, especially at the very end of the movie, I was mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. do I believe in God now? Like, he is <laughs> making a believer out of me. <laughs> He's so good, especially at the end where he, it's like a four-minute speech where, again, the takeaway from that speech is that he's not going to have the church turned into a mall. And you're like, the fact that this that's this powerful, yeah. in spite of you doing so little, is really impressive. It's a testament to him. Yeah, he's the one who convinces Joe Hamilton to not tear down the church, even though an angel had showed up the night before to be like, I'm going to send you to hell if you do this. But Joe Hamilton's still like there to be like, well, this is the last little sermon before I rip this place down. And then he's like, wait a minute. No, that, that the reverend giving his sermon, it feels like that's what convinces him mm-hmm. to change his mind. 
Yeah, I think definitely as problematic as Henry's character is in being the neglectful husband, father, all this, I think his character is probably fully formed the best, I think, in terms of Mm -hmm. he really does a great job, or maybe the writing does a great job of showing him as like the black lead of the church and Mm -hmm. how how much they really belong to the community and that that struggle mm-hmm. of yeah he has a wife he has kids but he also belongs to everybody else yeah and the seeing him kind of drowning in that mm-hmm. i empathize with him mm-hmm. as terrible mm-hmm. as he is as a husband <laughs> and so many other things you can see his exhaustion of like mm-hmm. i just want to sit down and maybe yeah i just want to be a family man but instead i belong to everybody in the community mm-hmm. and i think Courtney b vance does a great job at bringing that and the writing brings a, a great job of bringing that to life. I wish, obviously, we could have saw more of that out of Whitney's character mm-hmm. as the the wife of that person, because that is a whole other lived experience, being mm-hmm. the first lady of a big church. Mm-hmm. So that's what's disappointing, particularly since it's called the preacher's wife. <laughs> you would hope right. that we could see more of her story. Mm-hmm. But I will give Courtney B. Vance and his character that credit. That felt very, mm-hmm. um, I was able to empathize with him on that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that was a question I had as far as because this is a movie adapted from two different kind of source materials, both properties, you know, the, the 1947 movie cast, creative minds behind that, all white people. Mm-hmm. Um, the novel, oh, yeah, came out in 1928, again, by Robert Nathan. He's a Sephardic Jew. Wow. He, I assume because this movie, again, feels very authentic i was like oh this must just be like an original unadapted thing but to learn that it was adapted from source materials that were not written and created by black creators and because this particular movie preacher's wife was written and directed by white filmmakers is there anything Mm -hmm. that feels like inauthentic to these black characters, the black community, the black experience, or does it feel like they pretty much nailed it? Because that's always a concern I have, where yeah. it's like, yeah. you know, a, a black mm-hmm. cast, yeah, but and then the top creative voices, with money, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great question. I. I think they nailed it, honestly. I was going to say, mm-hmm. no. Even the landlord's character, him, it's actually really important that he was from the hood and acts like that. Mm-hmm. That's actually like a really common thing that I think happens mm-hmm. across many ethnicities, but definitely in the black community. Mm-hmm. Where once you get money, you're just willing to step on whoever because you can't go back. You can't even imagine going back to the place that you came from. So, yeah, I would say nothing's really missing which is remarkable. <laughs> which, I mean, yeah. Natasha, you said it earlier too. It's like, I, I'm sure that Denzel Washington's production company being so like integral to this movie getting made. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. And Denzel Washington like made good on that statement he made in 96 of like yeah. centering black characters and getting black creatives involved. I was looking over just the roster of movies that he's produced or his production company has made over the years. And it's like mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would not have guessed this was written and directed by white people. Never. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would not. Have thought. I, I was surprised when I read that. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. And that was mm-hmm. after the fact. So yeah, I think they definitely nailed it for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, good to know. Also, annual shout out to how many classic 
Christmas songs and stories are written by Jewish people. It's like that's wild. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Irving Berlin, White Christmas, The Christmas Song, Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, Silver Bells, Winter Wonderland, I'll Be Home for what? Christmas, all written by uh, really? Jewish composers. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Shout out. Yeah, yeah that's cool. That. Wow, that's wow. a really that's cool really fact. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's one of my favorite facts to revisit every Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. But does this movie pass the Bechdel test? I think it does between Julia and Marguerite in a, a small handful of exchanges. They are yeah. usually talking about Henry or Dudley Marriage. or yeah. Jeremiah. But yeah. I think there's a, an exchange where in the context of this conversation is still like Marguerite being like, you need to get your household under control. And Julia doesn't want to hear it. So she's like, okay, you can watch me leave and you can look at my behind. And she's like, I gave right. you that behind. So they're talking about Whitney Houston's butt. Mm. And that does pass the Bechdel test. Mm. That passes. That mm. pass. okay. that's, and that's an important exchange. Yeah. <laughs> it, it actually is for their relationship. Uh, so it does pass. It does. I mean, like this whole conversation speaks to, I think there were plenty of opportunities for the women in this story to interact more mm -hmm. and have more meaningful relationships so even though it does pass i would say like spiritually not a very strong pass we could have no. mm -hmm. you know had mm -hmm. way more women talking to each other for sure but what about the world's most important metric which we made up yes <laughs> it's the nipple scale our scale mm -hmm. of zero to five nipples where we examine the movie through an intersectional feminist lens I would give this, uh, man, I wish I could go higher, but I feel like I could only give it like two nipples because mm -hmm. while it does feel like it really represents the black community and the black church authentically, I wished for so much more for the Julia character. I wished for more from Loretta Devine's character. But again, especially Julia, where the movie's called The Preacher's Wife. In theory, it should be kind of her doing more stuff and being able to make more active choices. And instead, she, again, just ends up kind of being the object of affection of Dudley the Angel, the, Dudley the Horny Angel. And, um, wow, so sing that to the tune of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. <laughs> Dudley the Horny Angel. <laughs> <laughs> Wants to buy you lingerie. <laughs> he will take you ice skating. Um, okay, so the relationship between Julia and her husband Henry just feels like there's not nearly as much of an arc as I would have wanted because she's putting in all of the effort into their relationship and to like being a parent to their child. And, and Henry is kind of neglecting his family unit and paying way more attention to the community, which of course is important, but like he needs to find a balance and I don't think he does by the end of the movie. And that makes me feel really sad for Julia, but the movie ends on a note of like, no, everything's fine now. And I'm like, but like, is oh, it? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, and again, I just found Julia to be underdeveloped. I wish she had just more of an exterior life and just, we knew more about her and 
what her hopes and dreams were, you know, outside of her relationship. But, you know, mm. I love to watch Whitney Houston sing. I love to watch Jennifer Lewis. Which is ultimately what this movie is all about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Basically. If you take out the singing scenes, the movie's 45 minutes long. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I just, there was a lot to be desired for me for Julia's character. So I'll go with two nipples and I will give one to the late, great Whitney Houston and I'll give the other to, well, I'll split the other between Jennifer Lewis and Loretta Devine. Nice. I'm gonna go a little higher. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go three. I, I think that for all the reasons we discussed, this movie is not. In spite of the title, I feel like we see this pretty often. In spite of the title, is not actually a movie about a woman. It's kind of a movie about two men and how they feel about this woman. We are not really clued into how Julia feels at length at any point. And I think that her takeaway at the end of the movie being like, you should be happy. You should be satisfied with what you have. Merry Christmas is like uh, a little bit grim. (laughs) And just the fact that there's so many talented black women in this movie and we don't really get to see them be around each other uh Mm -hmm. which again like especially at the lack of loretta divine and whitney houston the year after waiting to exhale it just boggles the mind but Mm -hmm. there's a lot that this movie has going for it that is like extremely like a step forward in the christmas movie genre at all having a huge movie center an all-black cast i think especially in at this point in time was like really cool especially because Denzel Washington was so integral in making it happen and mm-hmm. um, having his production company involved this movie is directed by a woman you don't see that very often still mm-hmm. yep granted Penny Marshall is obviously a white woman but you still you don't see women directing big budget movies mm-hmm. frequently at now and mm-hmm. so I, and also I'm maybe sliding up the rating a little bit because Whitney Houston wasn't in many movies and I treasure each and every one of them. Yeah. Even mm-hmm. though Brandy Cinderella is still the best oh, one the best to one. me. Oh my God, yes. Damn, I need um, to rewatch that. I was just going to say we rewatch that this weekend. Oh, my <laughs> God. I feel like that oh, has this, the energy of a holiday movie. Yeah, definitely. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. so good. So I'm going to give this three nipples. I'm going to give one to Whitney. I'll give one to Jennifer Lu- No, No offense to Jennifer. I'm going to give one to Loretta Devine. And then I'm going to give the last one to Sissy Houston, Whitney's mom. Hmm. Nice. Yes. Nice. Okay, I can go. I I'm going to go right in the middle, give it two and a half mm. nipples. I think, yeah, similar to what you just said, Jamie. Um, it just feels like such a regression post Waiting to Exhale, which was such a powerful movie for women, mm-hmm. for black women, to see Whitney and Loretta in particular being so underutilized when mm-hmm. we know their potential mm-hmm. um, was probably the most disappointing element of the movie i will give a nipple to just a collective nipple for like the great cast of beautiful powerful Mm -hmm. black women Mm -hmm. again sadly underutilized but just so appreciate their presence just being iconic Mm -hmm. (laughs) just being in this movie all together is is really special um i'd give one definitely to whitney for providing us this amazing album that we are all still bumping every christmas morning (laughs) probably till the end of time um and then i'll give my half 
to oh I guess I gave one to Winnie already but I was gonna say for Julia's character getting to have even just a tiny Denzel dalliance and take back mm. a little bit of power mm. even if it was just a smidge I'm gonna give it to just her just a light mm-hmm. a light dalliance mm-hmm. light they're dalliance. touching in the ice skating scene they're like yeah they are on to each other and that yeah yeah is nice mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah it's nice so shout out to her give her a little laugh <laughs> for that mm-hmm. <laughs> but you Justine I'm gonna give three nipples I agree with everything that you guys said, but I do think that there is a world where we could remake this film where the gospel choir goes to the McDonald's Gospel Fest and wins a million dollars. And that's how they save the building. The church. And we can get Hamilton out of here and we could just get the character out of here and we can just make Whitney be the savior of the church for her father and for her husband. She could be like, y'all can't live without me. Bam. (laughs) I'm so on board for that. <laughs> right. I love that. I think we should make another one. The Reverend's yes. wife. <laughs> That's what we'll make. Oh my god! Could you the imagine? Choir. Yeah, like Kiki Palmer, the choir and yeah. the, the oh praise dance gosh. team. Yeah, the, oh my god, with the praise dance, a liturgical a praise dance, dance team. team. Please, yes, have to, have yes, to. It'd be so good. So the mm. fact that there's room for that, I love it. I'm going to give one nipple to Whitney. I'm going to give one to Penny Marshall because. As she is a white woman working um, on a black film, there haven't been many white directors working with black production companies. So mm-hmm. I applaud her for that. Um, and I'm sure she had to do a lot of research. And um, it shows. So thank you, Penny. Yeah. And then I'm going to give one to Loretta Devine for being the best. Oh, yes. Simply the best. <laughs> well, Natasha and Justine, thank you so much for joining us for this wonderful discussion. And come back anytime. Oh my gosh. Thanks for having Thank us. you for having us. This was us. so fun. Yeah. <laughs> Where can people check out your podcast? Tell us more about it. How do people follow you online, etc.? Yeah. So we're Two Black Girls, One Rose. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find us everywhere podcasts are found. We primarily cover reality dating shows. Mm-hmm. Um, we are currently covering The Real Housewives of Potomac, which is okay. some good mess. It's really mm-hmm. a deep dive into female friendship i was to say it's very feminist of all the housewives franchises (laughs) (laughs) yeah so a little bit of dating and relationships and marriage but uh we're definitely deep diving into just like sisterhood and themes of female friendship we've been covering the bachelor for the past six years currently wrapping up golden bachelor Mm -hmm. and bachelor in paradise which we do in our patreon patreon.com slash two black girls one rose for all all our video and special bonus content and yeah, find us on all social media platforms, Two Black Girls, One Rose. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Have you either for the show or just in your personal lives watched the dating show Naked Attraction? No. I, I can't with the derobing dating <laughs> show. <laughs> that or the siblings involved. The line needs to be drawn somewhere. You know is, what I'm saying? <laughs> it's my new obsession. I love is Naked it? Attraction. Really? Yes. Oh my god. I need to give it a watch. It's a UK based. It's a UK, right? yeah, where yeah. people get naked and you see everything. They're not blurring things out. Oh There's god. no what? Little, I couldn't You're seeing yeah. Oh, you're seeing everything. dicks. Oh, you're seeing Oh pussies. my god. Oh, you're seeing titties. I was like, I'm not a prude, but I was like, no. Yeah. It's on HBO. So if you Oh, okay. Okay, there we it go. It keeps getting okay. recommended. I'm a fan. <laughs> it keeps getting recommended. It keeps getting recommended. Like, you don't watch that one? I'm like, no, I've been actively avoiding it. But damn. Does everyone not die of exposure? That's like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they're indoors, so it's. I'm sure it's warm. 
in any case, uh, <laughs> thank you again so much for being here as our guests. You can follow us on Instagram mostly these days at Bechtelcast. You can subscribe to our Patreon slash Matreon at patreon.com slash Bechtelcast. You get two bonus episodes every month plus access to the entire back catalog all for $5 a month. And you can get our merch over at tpublic.com slash the Bechtel cast. And with that, let's let Denzel Washington, men in black style, wipe our brains and go about our Christmas with our lives completely unchanged. Did he even do a good job? We don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Or was he just horny? We'll never know. (laughs) All right. Bye. Bye. The Bechtel Cast is a production of iHeartMedia, hosted by Caitlin Durante and Jamie Loftus, produced by Sophie Lichterman, edited by Mo Laborde. Our theme song was composed by Mike Kaplan, with vocals by Catherine Voskresensky. Our logo and merch is designed by Jamie Loftus, and a special thanks to Aristotle Acevedo. For more information about the podcast, please visit linktree slash Bechtelcast. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net.